Hello, this is World Music Matters. I'm Alison Head, and our guest this week is French classical and jazz musician Michel Godard. He's a brilliant player of The Serpent, and it sounds like this. and fell in love with its Renaissance ancestor known as the serpent because of its snake-like shape. It was used in the 17th and 18th centuries, mainly in church, to accompany plain chant. That sacred connection has really come to the fore on Godard's latest album, Awakening, which he recorded with Alim Kazimov, Azerbaijan's greatest singer and undeniably one of the world's big voices. Aparma This piece is called Trace of Grace. Godard wrote it for his 2011 album Monteverdi, A Trace of Grace, and it's superb. But coupled with Kazimov's interpretation of a traditional Azeri poem, it becomes sublime. Godard told me about the extraordinary experience of recording with Kazimov and why it worked out so well. I was so glad to meet him and to play with him because I kind of listened to his music since years and years and so many people were making me aware of his ability to improvise and he was always given to me like, like an example of how you can deal with a macam. So to play with him and to be accepted in his world was a fantastic experience and is a fantastic experience. instrument, the serpent, coming together with his voice? Did you find that there was particular harmony there? Yes. You, you know, it, I took, of course, also the tuba with me. I had the tuba and the serpent. And uh, I started with the serpent because the serpent was really meant to play with voices. It was like end of 16th century in France when they invented this instrument. It was to play together with the Gregorian chant, the male voices in the church, and that was the main rule of the instrument for centuries. So with Alim, it was great because I could feel that the instrument would go with his voice. 
This instrument, you have to play it, imitating the voice. It is a sacred instrument. Like uh, most of the religions have an instrument, I mean a wind instrument, to make the connection from earth and heaven. And the serpent had this role in the Catholic Church. So, even if you don't start to be too esoteric, being on stage with somebody like Alim Kazimov, you immediately feel when he's singing that it's not him who is singing. There is something coming to him and who passed through him. This is absolutely sure. He's completely connected with something else. You can call it what you want. God, it can be a kind of energy, it can be creativity, but something is coming through him. This is absolutely for sure. And, and to be on stage with him, it's absolutely fantastic. I never felt this so strong with anybody. When I had some music ideas or something I prepared before on the moment, I will play for him and he will immediately go into books that he has with him, written by, by hand, I mean, and he will pick up a poem that he could fill with, with the music. He will choose a makam to play and choose also a, a melody that he would know that would fit together. And then from this, he would just... Uh, make some uh, variation on the melody he would know. I could um, imagine, but he, he has thousands of melody in his mind and some, something can always come, you know, to this moment. So I, I would just play for him a bass line or, you know, even on one tune there is some chord changes, some, I mean, soft chord changes. And he would accept it and, and just sing on it. Like a bird soaring into yes, the sky yes, sometimes. Yeah. Kazimov sings the repertoire of classical yeah, yeah. Azerbaijani songs, but he also is very renowned for bringing great emotion and a lot of improvisation into his work. How did you meet him? We met thanks to Michel Dreyer, who is a, a promoter in Germany. He has a fantastic festival called Morgenland in Osnabrück. Michel had the idea of uh, putting us together. He knows Halim really well, he knows me really well, so he, he knew how to do it. Because it's not so easy to come close to Halim musically. But he kind of accepted me really, really well when we started to play together. I knew at what point that he wanted to teach me things. Which is a big present from this kind of uh, musicians, you know, when he decided to teach you, you are French, you, are, you don't play his music, and, and he wants to teach you things, which is fantastic, actually. Like and, uh, what? Like 
it's something inside the music, inside the energy of the music that he wanted to teach me. And, uh, and you can feel this just when you are on stage with him, actually, just the moment when you can feel that he is really speaking to you. Clearly he felt some kind of affinity with this instrument which yes. he didn't feel with the tuba. No, no. I mean it would have took a lot of uh, work to make him aware that also with the tuba you can do things which are not just the cliché of the brass music from the balcony that he has in his mind. I know. But the servant he didn't know. And it's this kind of instrument which you, you don't know from where it comes actually. People can think that it's come from Africa or India, but actually it comes from France. <laughs> It's called the serpent for a very good reason, because it's a bit like a coiled snake, like two backwards S-shapes, and it's made of wood, right, Michel? Yes, it's made of wood, and it's covered with leather. The, the leather is a big part of the sound, actually. What does it do to the sound? I mean, it makes the sound much softer in a way, but also it, the sound goes further away. Resonates uh, more. It resonates much more. Thanks to the lever and uh, to the way of putting the lever on the wood, which was uh, uh, an art from the Renaissance time. So tell us a bit more about the history of this instrument, Michel. It comes from an Italian instrument, from the Cornetto family, the Zinc family or the Cornetto. And the bass cornetto was smaller than the serpent like it is, but too big for the finger to reach the, the last hole. So slowly and slowly the Italians started to, to take this kind of serpentine form to the instrument. And then at one point, end of 16th century, somebody in, in France, in Auxerre, in Burgundy, had the idea of, of making it bigger to get the, the really low note of the human voice, the, the low C. And so he did invented this church, Serpent d'Eglise. Serpent of the church. And it stays like this for more than three centuries. Why did it fall out of favor? Why did people stop playing it? Because it was uh, just too imprecise, I think, for the time, and uh, not powerful enough. And then, like with a lot of instruments, the good players were not there anymore. They would play some other instrument, more in fashion. So, at the end, players were not good enough, so the instrument was just so badly described. Writers like Baudelaire or like Flaubert speak of the serpent and they always make fun of it. 
It's in a small village in the country, and they say really bad things. They always say the poor serpent player. So it, it became a bit of a joke. Yes, it was, and, and we have a kind of figure in, in every village, but it was called Le Serpent du Village, who was a person who would be like playing in the church, the serpent, and who would be drinking a lot, and who would not be very educated, and all these things. But that was 19th century, of course, and so that was the end of the instrument. <laughs> So how did you discover the serpent then, as a tuba player? Well, you know, I had a first life of classical tuba player. And uh, during this life, I was very, very interested into early classical music. And I did so much transcription for the tuba. And uh, I really wanted to have an instrument to play this early music properly. And so the serpent is the ancestor of the tuba, so I went to England, it was like 25 years ago, to see Christopher Monk. He was the only serpent maker at this time. Such a beautiful person. So I bought a serpent, came back, and I completely fell in love with the instrument, and I started to practice, 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 and to, to try to find what to do with it. And then I discovered jazz music and improvised music, and I, so I took the instrument with me. So it was thanks then to this this British band that we had a serpent revival. Yes, yes, the first revival came actually in uh, in, in England, and Christopher Monk was the first one to rebuild Serpent. And so he created this famous London Serpent Trio, which was, you know, funny like English people can be. Indeed. And they, also <laughs> picking up on what you were just saying about the Serpent being a bit of a funny, not that yes, serious yes, instrument. Yes, completely so funny. it was they, in that spirit. They would play anything with the Serpent, from Chopin to uh, Bach to um, Handel. And uh, England was the place of the revival of the instrument. But now it's France. We are more and more serpent players. In France, we are a lot of serpent players, actually. At least I think we have 1,000 for sure. Now. We can count on, on many good players, which is very important. Because and it's I, not an easy instrument. It's very, very difficult. Renaissance instruments are not easy to play. You know, you can imagine that like a Baroque violin compared to a modern violin, it's much more difficult to play. But you don't play the same thing. Also, you will not play Paganini on a Baroque violin. It would be impossible. But it's so difficult that it gives a kind of tension into the sound. And, uh, and I, I don't know, I, I thought really some new connection with the music, with the serpent, that I couldn't find easily with the tuba. Tout 
to be together with Halim was also a, a fantastic way of uh, learning how to let it go. Not thinking of what you will do, because if I start to think with Halim of what he's doing, what I would be lost because I would never learn his music in a, in a few months or a few weeks. It would be impossible. But just to let it go and stop thinking and just uh, uh, try to leave these things coming, which is uh, actually the main goal of music, I hope. <laughs> so do I. And a reminder, then, you're in concert with Alim Kazimov on the 14th of June at the Morganland Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's in Germany. Sadly, no date in France. No, for the moment with Alim, we, we would, I would love to play in France with him, and I, I hope it will come. Now that the CD is out, I hope that something will come. Michel Godard, it was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.